0: Good morning. It is my privilege to be here with you this morning. Like Mike said, my name is Brennan Johnson. I'm a student pastor here at Northeast. And let me just tell you, we have gotten off to a great big start here in the student ministry. Uh, About a week and a half ago, we had our summer kickoff event, Spy Night, which we partnered with another church here in Lexington and had over 120 kids packed into this building. It was awesome. We had about 69 Northeast students, and with about 20 of them being either rising sixth graders or first time visitors and guests. And man, it was just so cool to see just this explosive growth into our youth ministry as we've got these new kids coming in wanting to be a part of what we're doing here and chasing after Jesus. Man, so, so cool. This past Friday, We had the opportunity to help serve at the food pantry and get the food pantry set up and start marking everything getting it set where it needs to go and it's been really cool to see how our kids diving into that we even had a couple students show up to actually serve at the food pantry on saturday when it was open and man it's it's so cool i i'm a big fan of the summer like the summer has like always been a big season for me like growing up it's just always how it's been my family Always went to the Outer Banks in the summer. The very first week of the summer, like as soon as school ran out, there was like last day of school, and then the beach. We went to the beach. It was my family, my grandparents, my aunts, uncles, cousins. We all went, gathered into this beach house, and it was a blast. So many great memories of fighting the waves in the ocean, going trying to catch crabs in the sound. Oh, man. love, love. Love. The beach. Uh, But that's not all I did in the summer. I actually grew up going to a place called Canecott Camps when I was about seven years old till I was a freshman in high school. There we go. Freshman in high school. Started going for one week at a time. Then I started going two weeks in the summer. Um, And I actually got really involved working at Bluegrass Christian Camp. I, I started working as a volunteer in seventh grade and then didn't stop working there until 2017. They still can't quite get rid of me, even though I don't work there. I'm still super involved. I just Man, I love the summer. My church growing up did a lot of cool things in the summer. we go on mission trips. We went to Croatia, we went to Washington, D.C., we went to Nashville. We had a, a mystery trip, which if you don't know what that is, it's a lot of fun. It's when the youth director knows where you're going and no one else knows where you're going. And so you get in the van on the weekend and you're like, where are we going? We're on South 75, okay, this means we could go this way. If we're going this way, we might go to the beach, but if we're going this way, who knows where we're going? And it's just so, so much fun. I love the summer. I absolutely love the summer. Now, I think as I've been reflecting on why the summer is so important to me and why we try and make sure that the summer can be important for our students, and I think there's one common factor. You see, all of these memories I have in the summer, there are other people involved in them. This, I wouldn't look at the summer so fondly if these other people weren't a part of those stories. There's a, there's a certain fellowship there. I mean, one of the reasons I remember my time at Bluegrass so strongly is because of the fellowship that I had with the people that I worked with. In fact, I've got a picture here of my time at Bluegrass. You see, Bluegrass was actually uh, the place I met my wife. This is my wife here, and yes, I did get permission to show this crazy picture of her. Um, but Bluegrass is where I met my wife. It's where I met a lot of lifelong friends that I've had. And, and even though a lot of my generation of counselors has moved on into more boring you know, adult jobs, right? This next generation of counselors that comes in every summer there's always that same spark of fellowship, of we are here to serve kids and serve Jesus. And even though you're a little older and you're still here for whatever reason, we see that in you and we have this connection that's just special. When I think back to my time in high school, one of the reasons I was able to grow in my faith was very much because of my student ministry. In fact, this next picture we have here This is me as a junior in high school with my youth pastor and a couple other juniors and seniors going on our student leadership retreat where they were pouring into us and helping us shape what we wanted the student ministry to be like for that year. When I think back to my time here, it's the people that I connected with. It's that fellowship that kept me there. In fact, I still get lunch regularly with my old youth pastor to this day. When I think back to my time here at Northeast, I've been here a little bit over two years, and I've already begun to form this fellowship with the staff, with the student ministry, with the students. This is our most recent retreat we took in April, and man, it's so good to be able to travel together, to worship God together, to grow, and what's crazy about this retreat is this retreat was student-led. Students had been planning that retreat since September and the memories of even just that core group of students planning out where God is wanting to lead us in the school year, it's powerful. It's awesome. And and of course, I would be remiss to mention anyone who knows me, I am an absolutely big board gamer. I think I've mentioned it in every sermon so far, and I think I'm just going to keep putting it in. But I have a lot of fellowship with people with board games, all right? I absolutely have a lot of fellowship with people with board games. Now, whether it's a nice, simple card game, I love that, having people over to be able to talk during a card game, or if it's like my core group of friends who are sitting down for this eight-hour monstrosity of a game, I absolutely love it, because we're all sitting around the table engaging with each other. We, we all have ways we connect with people, and, it, and it's because we're designed to connect with people we're designed with fellowship in mind. And and maybe you connect with people through games or board games like me. Maybe not, and that's fine. I'll find a game for you. Don't worry. Um, But maybe you're like like my in-laws. My in-laws are big Cincinnati Bearcats fans. Like, yeah, go Bearcats. Big Cincinnati Bearcats fans. And so this past year was kind of a weird year for us because in football season, we were riding real high. We were real excited. And then basketball season came and Back down in the dumps we went. But we have season tickets to the basketball games, football games, and we bring people with us. If someone in our family is not able to go, we make sure that ticket is filled because that is an opportunity to engage in fellowship with somebody. Maybe it's your classes at school where you find people to connect with or or adults that are in similar life situations as you. Whatever it is, we are designed for fellowship. We're designed for community And we're designed for relationship. It's just how we are. And last week, we started our summer series looking at the fruits of the Spirit. And before we go any further today, I think it's very important we establish this foundational idea you cannot have the fruits of the Spirit without the Spirit. You can't have the fruits of the Spirit without the Spirit. And that sounds so simple, but at least in my life, I often try and grow these things on my own, but I don't necessarily let the Holy Spirit have total access into my life to grow those things. So before we go any further, you can't have the fruits of the Spirit without the Spirit. He's the one who grows those fruits in our lives. And last week we talked about the love of Christ, and in order for us to love as Christ loves, We have to experience that love and allow the Holy Spirit to grow that love inside of us. And like Micah mentioned earlier, today we are looking at joy. And in order for us to have joy, we must have the Spirit of God in our lives. So if you would, go ahead and open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 1. That's where we're gonna be spending most of our time this morning. Uh, Philippians is one of the letters written by Paul. It's one of 13 letters written by Paul. And at least when I read Paul, I find Paul to be a very intense kind of person. Like he's very driven, he's very focused, he's very single-minded on advancing the gospel. And so when I read Paul, I kind of like, man, I don't know how he does what he does. Like I'm in ministry and he just seems like on a whole nother level. But as we look at Philippians, Philippians, I think, Paul shows us a really great foundation on what joy is. In fact, I would highly recommend you continue to deep dive into Philippians on your own as we'll only be in the first part of Philippians today. But as Paul is writing Philippians, it's important to understand a little bit of context. Paul is actually in jail. He's in jail and he's awaiting trial under the Roman government for proclaiming Jesus. He's awaiting trial. Essentially, Christianity is about to go on trial with the Roman government. And so, as Paul is awaiting trial, he decides he's going to write letters to some churches, and one of the churches he decides needs to be written to is Philippi. Now, what's interesting is Paul's previous experience in Philippi was not that great. You can actually read about it in Acts 16. You can see what happened when Paul went to Philippi. I'll give you a quick recap. He was illegally arrested. He was beaten. He was placed in the stocks and publicly humiliated in front of everyone. So it kind of seems like a weird choice. Like Paul is in prison, right? This is a pretty tough circumstance. He says, you know who I want to think about right now? those people that arrested me and beat me up. That sounds like the people I want to think about. It just seems kind of odd. And yet as we read Philippians, we see that this church in Philippi brings him joy because it was through his suffering that his jailer found Christ. It was through his suffering that Lydia and her household found Christ. It was through his suffering that the slave girl who had been demon-possessed was set free and found Jesus. It was Through his suffering, that the church in Philippi found Jesus, and that gives Paul joy. And that sounds great, but as I again, as I apply myself to Paul, as I try and relate to him, I think of times in my life when I was in difficult circumstances, and I can honestly say I have not always been as joyful as Paul is here in Philippians. And so I think we have to ask the question how is Paul so joyful? How is he able to hold on? to this joy. Philippians chapter 1, we'll start in verse 1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. We know Paul's circumstances as he's writing this letter. He's in prison, and not even right off the bat, right at the beginning, he's already rejoicing. It took him three verses, and then he says, you know what, I am just joyful thinking about you. I rejoice in my prayers for you. It's that driven nature of Paul. How is he so passionate and driven and almost single-minded at advancing the gospel how does he hold on to that how does he rejoice in spite his circumstances well it's because he knows it is furthering the gospel and yet even paul realizes that he needs more in order to hold on to this joy and he tells us what he's holding on to in verse 3 and verse 4. He remembers his relationship with the Philippians. In fact, he says it's special that they've partnered with him from the very first day. In fact, if you continue to study this book, you see the Philippians had even sent someone to minister to Paul while he was in jail. Where Paul had ministered to the Philippians, now they're ministering to him. It's also heavily implied that the Philippians had financially supported Paul in his missionary journeys. But largely, Paul remembers them because they are sharing in the life of the gospel with him. They are walking alongside him however they can in their journey with Christ. And Paul says it took place from the very first day. You see, I think in order to understand joy, we need to understand that it needs to come from our relationship with the Lord, but also our relationship with other people that are chasing after the Lord that fellowship is important. Joy comes from fellowship in Christ. It comes from fellowship that is founded on Christ. The type of joy that doesn't correspond to any outward circumstances that transcends all of life's challengements is rooted on Jesus. It has to be. It has to be rooted on Jesus. And so as Paul is writing to the Philippians, he remembers these people who are doing ministry with him, who are walking in Jesus, and he remembers who is in control, and it brings him joy. And as Paul is writing this letter, he begins to think these memories. He thinks of Acts chapter 16 and the suffering that he went through and who the Philippians were before they met Jesus. And yet even that memory brings Paul joy because he recognizes the good work that God is doing in the Philippians, and he knows that God is actively moving in their lives. He knows God is saving people in Philippi. He is seeing evidence of God's physical work here on earth, and that tells us another main point. Joy comes from seeing the Lord work. Joy comes from seeing the Lord work, and as Paul is seeing the Lord work, he sees what we call the church salvation. Jesus is moving powerfully in Philippi. Members are coming to the church. They are being saved. They are being forgiven of their sins. And it's a source of joy for Paul to know that God is working in the lives of the believers. And I think this is foundational to understand joy. To know that God is working in our daily lives should be cause for joy. In fact, joy is mentioned 16 times in the book of Philippians. And I think joy is simply a confidence that God is working, that God is moving, and that he's in control. Continuing on in verse 7, Paul says this, it is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have had you in my heart. Whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Here's some of this classic Paul intensity for me, right? In verse eight, he says how he's longing for the Philippians with the affection of Christ. And we see Paul mirror this kind of love in other places in the Bible. If you look in 2 Timothy, you see Paul is writing a letter to kind of the person he had mentored in ministry, Timothy. And as Paul is at the end of his life, he longs to be reunited with Timothy with the love of Christ. And we see that same desire here that he longs for the Philippians with the affection of Christ Jesus. He cares for them and he loves them. And this love is evidence of the Holy Spirit in Paul's life. You cannot love as Christ loves if the Holy Spirit is not a part of your life. It's why it's the first and the fruit of the Spirit. And as biblical love goes, it can't just be talked about. It has to be shown And Paul has shown that love for them in Acts chapter 16, and he's continuing to show that love for him now as he is in chains awaiting trial. Because when he goes to trial, Christianity will be given a public stage to be told who Jesus is in the Roman world. And Philippi is a Roman colony, and so despite Paul's suffering, he knows that he is doing this for his community in Philippi so that more people can hear who Jesus is. Paul didn't just talk about his love, he showed it. He absolutely showed it. And it's not Paul just loving and saying it's from Christ. It is Christ's love that is being poured out of Paul. Paul has experienced a life change like none other with the Holy Spirit active in his life. Because remember, before Paul was Paul, he was actually another man named Saul. And this man Saul was one of the chief persecutors of the Christian faith. And yet God got a hold of his heart and through his Holy Spirit changed Paul. He worked in Paul's life. And Paul remembers this. This brings joy for Paul because joy comes from seeing the Lord work in you seeing how the Lord has changed and moved in your life, seeing how the Lord has replaced what was once sinful and replaced it with something that is of him. We have a word for that too. Sanctification, being made to look more like Jesus every day. And the reason Paul is in jail suffering is because he is looking more like Jesus every day and he is able to love the Philippians more like Jesus every day and he's able to have joy because of the work The Spirit is doing in His life. Joy comes from seeing the Lord work in your own life. He continues on in verse 9. And this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Perhaps one of the the deepest signs of fellowship that we can have for another believer, another type of joy that we can experience is coming before the throne of God and praying for them as Paul does. As Paul is in suffering, he is on his knees praying for his brothers and sisters in Christ, praying that they would experience a maturity and love that comes from the Holy Spirit, a discerning kind of love and maturity, that they might have Christian character and love and service, and that they would grow fruit, and that their fruit would bring glory to Christ. You see, I think true Christian fellowship is is more than just having things in common. It's more than just gathering on a Sunday service. It's the kind of fellowship where you are chasing after Christ together. And it's the type of fellowship that produces joy because of the single focus on advancing the gospel. And Paul is trying to encourage the Philippians, stay connected, stay in this fellowship let the Holy Spirit work in you so people can see the fruits of the Spirit coming from you. You see, joy comes from seeing the Lord work not only in you, but through you, knowing that the Lord is using you to advance the kingdom of God. We call that service in the church. You know, I've found, at least in my life, oftentimes joy can elude me when I try and seek it out, but it often comes when I try and impart it to other people. And Paul's prayer for the Philippians is unique. He makes this passionate appeal that they would grow in their love for one another. A deeper study into Philippians reveals that there are some church leaders that have a disagreement going on behind the scenes. And Paul is worried that this friction and disagreement is going to break apart the fellowship that they have. And that is the last thing that Paul wants. And so he prays that the Holy Spirit would grow love in their hearts. The Holy Spirit would grow this fellowship and community so that they can know what is good and what is bad, so that they can know what is good and what is better, so that they can stay strong in their fellowship with one another. Because if they stay strong in their fellowship, they will remain centered on Christ. And if they remain centered on Christ, they will experience a joy that only the Holy Spirit can bring. Joy isn't something we can achieve or create in ourselves. It can only be found in fellowship with Christ. And as I'm sure you know, there is difference between joy and happiness, right? Happiness can come from people, relationships, board games, right? It can come from whatever, but happiness will not last. It is not eternal. Things change. They just do. But joy... Joy comes from an unchanging creator of the universe who desires a relationship with you and therefore is not dependent on circumstance because he is unchanging, ever-present, and active in this world. And, And I believe we've all heard that joy comes from the Lord, and Paul gives us a really great example of what a life focused on the Lord looks like. But I mean, if I'm being honest, I still sometimes feel like I struggle to live up to the example that Paul gives us. I mean, I think we know in our heads that we're supposed to find joy in the Lord. Like we have heard this, especially if we've grown up in the church, there are songs about this, that our joy is found in the Lord. But all of a sudden, when circumstances become challenging, how do we put that idea into practice? How do do we live that out? And all of a sudden, it's more challenging than we thought it was supposed to be. But as we look at Paul's example in Philippians, Paul finds joy because he is surrounded by reminders of who God is. And he is surrounded by reminders that God is alive, active, and working, not only in his life, but in the lives of the people around him. And it's those reminders, that fellowship, that gives him the strength to keep pressing on towards the goal of the gospel, despite his circumstances. It is because of his community and fellowship that he is able to have joy in tough circumstances. So I think we've got to ask ourselves this question. Where do we find our fellowship? Or maybe, maybe a better question actually is, what is your fellowship based on? Where do you find your fellowship? What's it based on? I've got a lot of community of people around me that we have lots of different interests, right? And those communities will come and go. People will move away. People will move back in. But if those fellowship circles are not founded on Christ, they cannot produce a heavenly joy. They just can't. They might have happy memories. They might have happy experiences. But when times get tough, you've got to see is this community, is this fellowship built on the Lord? Is this producing joy because true joy comes from fellowship with God and his people. Why? Because when we are in fellowship with God, we see God work. And that is one of the greatest reminders we can have in our Christian walk to know that God is alive, active, and cares about each and every one of us. So if you want joy in your life, I just, I have three questions The first is this, where are you seeing the Lord work around you? And this kind of seems like a strange place to start, because wouldn't we want the Lord to work in our lives? And of course, of course we would, but... Paul starts remembering that the Philippians have God working in his life. In the first verses 3 through 6, we see him rejoice because he knows that God has saved these people and God is continuing to work in these people. And it's such a powerful reminder for him. There's a reason God created us to be in community, and it's because the lessons that he teaches us were not meant to be kept a secret. They weren't meant to be kept to ourselves so everyone else can learn the lesson firsthand from God. There have been so many times in my life where people have stepped in and shared a part of their story of how God taught them a lesson and it was life-changing for me. And I'm so thankful that they did. Where are you seeing the Lord work around you? Because we need reminders in our life that our God is all-powerful and that he is not worried about anything but in control of everything. Second question, where's God working in your life? That can be an uncomfortable question at times to ask, especially when I ask it of myself, right? There can be a discomfort to asking, God, where are you wanting to work in my life right now? Because it often means letting go of, of something or even straight removing that thing in your life so something better could be put in it. But removing something from your life can be uncomfortable It can be something that requires change and my wife will tell you I'm not a big fan of change and so when God brings change on my door, it's usually an uncomfortable process for me. But when we get past that discomfort, we find joy because we see that God is working in our life, that he is sanctifying us, that he is making us more like Jesus. And so if you aren't sure where God is looking in your life, are working in your life, I have a simple yet tough challenge for you. Ask him. Scripture tells us if you ask, the Lord will move. If you aren't sure where the Holy Spirit is working in your life, ask him to move and just be ready when he does. Be ready when he does. Final question I have for you. Where is God wanting to work through you? We're talking about the fruits of the Spirit this summer. And as we dive into his word and as we let the Holy Spirit move in our life, we will begin to bear fruit. You see, the thing is, a tree doesn't produce fruit just for itself. It's meant to produce fruit for others to see and enjoy. Like I mentioned earlier, we aren't meant to keep God's lessons a secret to us. They are meant to be a proclamation of his goodness and his grace and his power. Where is God wanting to work through you? What stories does God want you to share of how you've grown? What people is God calling you to interact with? Who is he calling you to love? Who is he calling you just to be present with? Who is he calling you to show kindness, goodness, grace, love, joy, mercy to? If God is going to work in our life, we know fruits will be produced. And if fruits will be produced, it's because God wants to use us to advance the kingdom of God. Imagine a community, a fellowship that has God actively working in its people like this. I mean, doesn't that sound incredible? Doesn't that sound like a glimpse of what heaven is? A community of people gathered around God where God is working, where he saves, he sanctifies, he serves. How could we not experience a heavenly joy when we are in a fellowship like that? It's the reason why God left a church here until he comes back again. It's the reason why he left his church because fellowship is integral to joy. You cannot experience the Christian joy without without being a part of the Christian community with Christ at its center. You just can't not experience joy if you are not connected to Christ and his people. We aren't meant to do life alone and we won't find joy alone. Joy comes from the Lord. More specifically, it comes from seeing the Lord work and move in your life and the lives around you. It's that glimpse of heaven that creates the joy within us. And the great news is we do not have to wait until heaven to get to experience that joy today. Because the kingdom of God is already here and it is still coming, we as the church get to be the body of Christ that shows this community and this joy to the rest of the world by being a place where the Holy, Sh- Holy Spirit has free access in our life. But being a place where the Holy Spirit has permission to change us, to remove what is not of Christ and to fill it with something that is. And it's this action of God that creates a contagious joy. Despite our circumstances, we have joy because we know God is real and he is present and he is active. Church, it is one of the reasons I'm in ministry today because of the impact of a church community like this one. That gave me a glimpse of heaven is my student ministry in high school that gave me that glimpse of heaven of what it truly means to follow Jesus, what it truly means to see God alive and working in people's life. And that glimpse of heaven was all I needed to continue to chase Jesus the rest of my life. We are not meant to do life alone. So let's do it together. Let's chase after Jesus together. Let's share in each other's burdens when things get challenging. When Paul was sent to prison, Philippians sent people to go minister to Paul. They shared in his burdens from day one. Paul shared in their burdens when he went to minister to them in Acts chapter 16. Let us share in each other's burdens. Let us share how God is working in our lives. It's not meant to be a secret. God wants us to proclaim his goodness, to proclaim the miracles he's performing in our lives, to proclaim how he has grown us. It's not meant to be a secret. Let us share how we have seen God work work. Let us share how we see him moving in the lives around us, how he's moving through the things we've got going on in the children's ministry, the student ministry, the food pantry, adult ministries. Let us share how God is alive and active so that we can all be edified and encouraged by knowing God is alive and active here at Northeast. Let us be a part of God working in our community. Let us serve let us love, let us live out a joy that is contagious and cannot be found anywhere else except in the presence, community, and fellowship of the Lord. Let us share in the joy of the Lord. Father, you are an all powerful God. And Lord, when I think to times in my own life when things have been challenging, it has been your church. And it has been your spirit that have brought me back. Lord, I pray that we would grow closer as a church body to you, that we would grow closer to each other, Lord. I pray that we would be the reminders for each other that you are working, that you are alive, and that you are reason for joy because you are in control. Despite our circumstances, Lord, we ask that you would move here at Northeast. Give us cause to sing, to praise, and to tell stories of your greatness, Lord. Lord, we love you. We are so thankful that your son died on the cross and gave us this glimpse of heaven we have here today called the church. Lord, we ask that you would work through us. It's in your son's name. Amen. Amen.